We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are both here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And as well, take a peek at the website, Andy and Don, all one word, andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you. Good Good morning, Scott. Scott. Uh, sharing your CPP. Yes, and you know, it's so interesting. There's, it's coming to the sharing time of it's, year. It's, it is, it's kind of Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Giving and sharing. That's right. <laughs> and it, yeah, sharing the CPP is, uh, it, it's interesting. As much as everybody's talking about splitting your pensions these mm-hmm. days, and it, and it seems like, oh yeah, well, I just split my pensions, no problem. And it's usually your tax repair or your account that does this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, had you worked for, you know, Stelco or your teacher and, or whatever kind of defined benefit plan you received, at any age, if it's one of those type of pensions, you just split them. Yeah. So if your if your spouse had zero pension and you had you know thousand a month, you could just on the tax return move five hundred over to him or her. Very simple, and it's done at the tax return level. A lot of people, and I've run across this a few times, including this past week, Canada pension plan they assume is being split, or they don't know how about. It even happens. Right. And they didn't actually take into account this. So I looked at a, a few, and what happens is can a pension plan can be split. So you'll take your spouse and yourself, and let's say one of you has got 200 a, a month and the other has 1,000 a month. Mm-hmm. You can add the two together, and they both end up with about six, they end up with 600 a month. Okay, and what's the big deal of that? Does it have that? to be split evenly? Uh, yes. Can you put a certain percentage here? Certain yes, per- no? yes, it does, <clears throat> actually. Yeah. It's split, but it is based on, it's interesting, it's not just... They do. Th- they they do go through a formula. Yeah, and based on your how you've been, how long you've been married, right? And then how many months you've been married, or or, or common law mm-hmm. during the contribution years. So if you you know get married late in life after you contribute, you won't be able to split any of it. Mm. Uh, or you know halfway through your contribution year, only a portion of it gets split. Right. But they will determine that for you. Mm-hmm. I am laughing. Thirty years of marriage. So <laughs> yeah, this, this year, absolutely, <laughs> no problem. Laughing or crying? Well, <laughs> but really, how? It's a know. milestone. Let's put it that way. That's it. Good for you. But for a full-time working wife as yourself, Andy, there <laughs> won't be right. a lot of uh, CPP splitting. Oh, good point. Yeah. Sharing. Yeah, that's right. And I am in the same boat. There's not a lot of sharing, so there won't be a big difference. But there's a lot of times where there's a stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. and those are more of the common situations where they may have worked part-time. They didn't contribute a lot to Canada Pension Plan. They may raise the kids for... 15 years and you know that how much work that is mm. and then uh, you know what I, I'm kind of bored now I'll put some years in and it may be a part-time job or full-time but they will not have the same Canada pension plan right. as the husband yeah. and that's kind of the standard look at this and so I looked at a case the other day and let's assume the husband's 75 and the wife was 75 and I went through their tax returns because part of our job is not simply look at the investments as we've talked about many times financial planning is a lot more than that. And if you're not, you know, your planner should be always looking at your tax returns or they're not doing their job really. Okay, so you can tell the difference from a financial advisor or a financial planner just on that alone. And so you looked at this and and let's say the husband in this case had $1,000 per month. And the wife, well, you know, she only had 200 a month. Mm -hmm. And the husband's income in this case was 75,000 a year. Bumping is, income right to that old age security limit. Mm 
Right. Okay. And they're also getting their rifts at this time. So they're already splitting mm -hmm. their rift pensions. So you are able to split your rifts because they're both over 65. And, and the wife's income in this case was 30,000 a year. So I'm thinking, okay, right off the bat, had they split this, they'd end up, instead of having 1,200, they'd both end up with 600 each, mm -hmm. okay? Which works out to a savings, had they split this at $480 per year. Mm -hmm. Okay, not a big deal, 480 bucks. I'd rather have my pocket, Sure. okay? It's not like I would sneeze at it, but this is 10 years later. Mm -hmm. That's $4,800 yeah. difference. Hmm. And then I, I spoke a little bit more to this individual and he said, well, to be honest, I was actually in the old age clawback area for most of those 10 years. So had that money been moved, because once you're over 75,000 currently, you're going to start getting into the old age clawback. For mm -hmm. every dollar you earn, you lose 15 cents of old age security. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in this case, if there's $4,800 over and above the clawback, you actually get clawed back $720 a year of your old age security. Hmm. Now you got to pay tax on it, but after tax, it works out to $500 per year it cost you. So 10 years later, that's $5,000 because now this individual is actually in the clawback area for most of that time. Right. So it works out that because this person or these people went through 10 years of not splitting their Canada pension plan, it costs them about $10,000. Yikes. Okay. And this is a really simple thing to do. You simply contact Service Canada, go through, you know, the option. And again, it all, it comes down to a differential uh, between you and your spouse. You know, if there's a large differential, there, there's a big benefit. If there's no differential, if you both are working most of that time, it's probably not even worth the exercise. But, and also, and the big other difference is if you're in different tax brackets. Mm-hmm. But once you're on, if one is under the 40,000 and one is over the 40,000, that's a 20% to a 30%. Yeah. So there's a 10% difference there. And then of course, in this situation here, if you're over the 75, now you're getting into 75,000 that is, you're getting into the clawback zone, if you will. So very expensive. And right away, the clients often look at saying, okay, well, my accountant should have said something about this. And I kind of defend the accountants a little bit here. As much as, yeah, they probably could just have a, you know, you may want to split your pension. When does all these people generally, and the only time you see your accountant is to get your taxes done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it's simple. If it's a simple tax return, you're not even seeing an accountant. Yeah. It's going to a tax preparer. Yeah. And they are simply taking your data yeah. and running it through. Plugging it in. Yeah. Plugging in the numbers and here's a tax you owe or here's your refund. There's no planning. And that's the difference of a financial planner. Mm -hmm. See, one thing that Andy and I can guarantee is if we can save taxes, they're guaranteed dollars. Yeah. Versus we don't know what the market's gonna do next day. Yeah. We don't know if Bitcoin's gonna go up another $1,000 next to next week <laughs> or not. That's the future, you know. Oh, I hear, I hear. <laughs> so, Apparently. <laughs> but we can maxim, uh, maximize your tax efficiency. Yeah. And that's what real planning's about, uh, involved. And, and it gives us actually- That's the one thing you thrill. can control. We can control that 100%. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then the, uh, the next question is, and I've heard this a number of times. It says, well, I guess my advisor should have told me this. And it says, well, I brought it up to the advisor. And, and this happened just recently. It says, well, I'm not good with taxes. That's up to your accountant. So they're both pointing at each other. Yeah. Okay. No good. And again, 
One is really just focused on investments, in which case you're only dealing with an investment advisor, not mm -hmm. a financial planner. One's simply looking at the tax return and plugging in numbers, and nobody's doing any planning. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. Right, yeah. and and this one here to me is low hanging fruit. This yeah. is an easy one. Yeah, and in this case, it it was at least five thousand dollars savings and upwards to ten thousand dollars savings wow. so far, and thankfully you know we had a chance to chat and and now they'll you know certainly would be running to get that split, but you can go to the Service Canada website. Um, you will need your your marriage certificate as proof, or if you've been common law the whole time. There is some form, it's a long name, so I won't even mention it, but there's a form for com common law people mm -hmm. and couples, and they will also be able to split this. So that's my uh, whole thing on, on uh, Canada Pension Plan sharing. Now, I know we, you mentioned Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, if it wasn't marijuana, you know, a month oh, ago. Oh, that's the next big thing, yes. Okay, it's Bitcoin the next, and there's some people riding this. Yeah. They are just doing mm -hmm. great. They are, some people are making a ton of money. Yeah. I'm not quite sure who they are. We are getting, generally we get the phone calls after it's gone up 100%. <laughs> okay. And we have been getting a few. In fact, I got one by a listener last week, and he was, uh, he put some money mm -hmm. into uh, one of the marijuana stocks, and it had gone up from, it tripled. Mm -hmm. and it's said, fantastic. And he's saying, how do I, you know, get this money out and, and uh, you know, enjoy it? Because yeah. it was really like pure roll the dice and gamble. Yeah. He wants to have now spend some of this and have some fun with it. Sure. Because it's like found money. Yeah. Uh, the problem is he had it in his RSP. Okay. And anything within the RSP is fully taxed. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to go through the three different ways of investing your money on specula speculative stocks. Right. Because you know what, if you want to put, you know, one or two or 5% of your portfolio in speculative stocks and you and you can afford to lose it, hey, go for it. Yeah. I We certainly don't recommend it and Andy and I are not ever advising people on doing this. But if you put it in your RSP, first of all, if you lose it, so you put 10,000 in your RSP and it wipes out. Right. Okay, and we've certainly seen like Black, uh, not mm -hmm. Blackberry per se, but Nortel was one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been some big losses, some of the tech ones, or some mining stocks have taken a huge hit. Well, you don't get to write off the losses mm. against capital gains. So it's a pure loss. Um, now, on the other hand, if it goes up, you, you get 100% taxed on it when you withdraw the money. There's no capital gain. See, with capital gains, normally you only pay tax on 50% of the growth. Right. But when you pull money out of an RSP, it doesn't, the yeah. RSP doesn't care how you earn the money. Mm -hmm. If it's interest, dividends, capital gains, it doesn't matter. It's, it's taxed the same. So when you pull it out. So, so you lose that, that ta tax-free growth or, or at least 50% of growth uh, if it's left in the RSP. The other option, and I've seen this a few times, people are putting very high-risk investments in their tax-free savings account. Mm -hmm. And that looks great. Had I put the, my 10,000 in there and it tripled, I would have got 30,000 tax-free. I can yeah. pull it out and buy a mm -hmm. boat, motorcycle, what have you, yeah. ATV, and uh, you know, you know, tax-free. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you lose that money, you lose that tax-free savings account room. You lose that room, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's they for the rest of your life. for that if it goes down? If it goes down, you lose it. It's gone. And I recently had a client and it was, uh, I just inherited and, or just received rather, and they did lose their 25,000 was put into mining investments. Mm -hmm. And it's literally worth, it was 10 cents on the dollar. Mm -hmm. Well, not even, sorry, it was like 10 cents, period. It's, it doesn't even trade. Mm -hmm. So it showed 10 cents on the statement. So it was 25,000 done. 
And so you don't get to write, not only do you lose the room, but you don't get to write off the capital losses. Right. Again, in tax-free savings accounts. <clears throat> um, but it is, if you do happen to make it big, it is tax-free upon taking it out. In my opinion, the best place if you want to speculate is in non-registered investments. Okay. So if you put it in, and that would be just a normal account, you get to write off losses if you lose money. Mm -hmm. If you do get gains, well, you only have to declare half the gains taxable, half the gains tax-free. Right. So it's kind of a 50-50. You know, um, also, if you, you know, if you have the money, that's great. Um, and you don't have to worry about all the tax ramifications about, you know, cause your principal's always tax free cause you used after tax money. Mm -hmm. You're only talking about 50% of the gain is taxable. So it's not that heavily taxed. The other side of it though, if you borrow, you use your line of credit to buy this, not a bad thing cause you get to bite right off the interest when you borrow for investment purposes. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately though, if it goes down to zero, you do not get to write off the interest anymore. Right. Okay, because it's no longer investment because it's, it's basically worthless. So out of the three options, RSP, tax-free savings accounts, if you are going to speculate, I would recommend non-registered. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Take a look at the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, .com. You can listen to old shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Or you can also call now and leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. Inheritance. Did we get one? Ah. Is it as big as we think I, have, it is? Have you ever received an inheritance? Never in my life. No. No. Well, yeah. no. I'm, I'm hoping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think most are, though. There's a lot of people out there listening, thinking yeah. the same thing. And yeah. and, um, and many times, in j and just in recent weeks, as I've met with some uh, new potential clients, and we were talking about their plan, and part of that, they would sort of threw in at the end, well, I'll probably be getting an inheritance. Mm. You know, So these are people in their 60s yeah. whose, whose parents are in their late 80s or, or 90s. And... Um, and it's and it's always tricky because you know you say well how much would you what do you think and I and I don't know that people really have a good handle on that you really can't depend no, on it can no you? it's a it's a it's a tricky one mm -hmm. so you know nine times out of ten unless it's very clearly defined and we we've got some good numbers around it we tend to leave it out of the picture mm -hmm. right let's see what was your situation look like without an inheritance yeah. and. Um, you know, and in many cases, somebody who's receiving an inheritance is also the executor, right? Mm, yeah, and so yeah. we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Mm. But, you know, the starting place is that typically at the point at which you're going to be getting an inheritance is usually at a loss and it's typically a family member and it may be a close family member. Mm -hmm. And and grief is a big deterrent or a big um, stumbling block, and I think in many cases in terms of how to proceed with yeah. the inheritance, and, and grief counselors always talk about it, this, but what, you know, what is, how much time is needed for you to be of clear mind in terms of making a decision? Mm -hmm. And um, and that's really the key, they, they, you know, grief counselors say you shouldn't be making important decisions at a time of strong emotional turmoil. And so often, um, a good solution is to park your money in into something that's a, a high interest account, 
right away. And then uh, at least it's doing something for you, but it's now there's no panic in terms of what we do, what do we do next, right? And now you can sort of start to go to work and unravel. And the grief is an interesting, it's an interesting emotion and there's certain different phases and stages of it. There's numbness, shock, denial. There's anxiety and restlessness. Uh, there's anger. There's sorrow, pining, and preoccupation. And I've seen, uh, I've seen scenarios where, where clients are uh, truly upset. They're angry. And they're angry for a couple of things. They're angry because their parent didn't look after things properly. Mm. And what would, have been, uh, what would have been something that perhaps had gone to them or their grandchildren is now going to uh, a third party, a blended marriage. Things have ended up just a mess. And so now the, the, the person who was perhaps going to inherit is now mad. They're angry. I've also had people that are, you know, there's numb and, and shock and mm-hmm. denial. They've received money, um, client who received money as a result of a death of a sister and mm-hmm. was just paralyzed in terms of it because it just reminded her of this ongoing uh, uh, you know, emotional stress in her life. Do you have a timeline that you have to get this stuff done by? Like, say, for yeah. example, you you know, you lose a parent, whatever the grieving process, as you mentioned. Is there a certain when do you start doing that? I stuff? know it, it. It usually is good advice to try and wrap things up within a calendar year of a death. Mm-hmm. You know, so and and that makes it difficult if the death happened at the end of the year. It's yeah. it's definitely going to push into the new year. But in 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 a lot of cases. Um, it's by December 31st, there's sort of motivation to try and get things done. Uh, but that said, it um, it has to feel right and you have to be in the right frame yeah. of mind to, to tackle it and it. take it on. And sometimes if you, and this is where I was coming back to, if you're, in an, if you're receiving an inheritance, but you're also the executor, so now you're dealing with the day-to-day uh, oper- you know, day-to-day mm-hmm. uh, minutia of the, of the estate and getting, getting it settled, um, maybe it's time to bring somebody else in. So you, you typically think about, I think it's important to get some legal advice. So talk to a lawyer, talk to your family lawyer, uh, perhaps the one who drafted the will of the, mm-hmm. of if it's a parent or a relative or a friend, and then also getting accounting advice. And on top of that, the financial planning advice is the stuff we're going to talk about next. And really what financial planning, the process is really going to come down to, to three things. And uh, the first step is going to be sitting down with somebody inheriting money and reviewing all again their goals and their concerns. So what are your financial goals and what are the main concerns you have right now about your financial situation? And what you're talking about here is <clears throat> what the recipient is going to do with the money. That's right. By this time, everything else regarding the will and the estate, that's already been, that was that was decided long before the death. So this is that's basically right. planning for you. That's right. right. So now, so let's say you're the executor of your parents' estate mm-hmm. and now you know that you're receiving $100,000 and as a result now, what should you be doing from a financial right. planning perspective? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the first step is just reviewing, sitting down with you to say, what are your goals now? What are your concerns? And, and that tells us, has anything changed or where are the priorities in your world right now? The second step is to do a personal financial review. And this is a financial snapshot. Where are you today? Where, what do you own? What do you owe? What income do you make? What are your expenses? What's your tax brackets? And understanding just a brand new financial snapshot of where you are today. And then creating a new plan. And a new plan from us involves, I think for for someone receiving an inheritance, five key components. Cash management, your investment plan, your retirement plan, risk management, 
and an estate plan. So all of these things are going to have to be updated mm-hmm. because of the inheritance. Right. And so we sort of, let's break down those, those sort of five steps and talk about what are the key priorities or the key issues to consider. In cash management, first of all, you might be receiving your inheritance in the form of a physical asset. Mm-hmm. It could be grandfather's 1953 Ford pickup. Right. It could be, or it could be cash. It could be a financial asset. Mm-hmm. It's investments. It's it's um, stock certificates, or it's just a cash check going to be issued to you. And so that'll have sort of some different impacts. And if, if it, uh, or maybe the money was left in trust, mm-hmm. so you're not getting it directly, but you are going to be the beneficiary of that trust. But you may also be a trustee. And many times parents say they want to leave money in trust for their kids, but if their children are adults, they often make them uh, co-trustees of that money. So they have broad latitude to deal with that money as they see fit. Mm -hmm. And so the roles of a trustee in terms of their roles and responsibilities is something that needs to to be explained. What are you going to be looking at? What What is going to be your ongoing commitment to this trust for the years to come? Um, Are all the taxes paid? and fees. So in some cases, if you're receiving uh, income, so money has been left to you in a trust, and you're going to be an income beneficiary. And what the trust is doing is it's getting rid of the income that that investment account is earning, and it's dispersing it to you as a beneficiary. So you have to pay tax on that income, Mm -hmm. right? The trust doesn't. And so you need to know that if you receive $10,000, has any tax been set aside, but we need to make sure, understanding your tax bracket, how much of that ten grand you're going to keep, right. how much needs to be set aside for tax purposes as well. Um, and, you know, you don't want a surprise tax bill at the end no, of the year. No. That's, that's the idea. Um, and often properties, uh, you know, I know there was a 649 commercial where somebody wins a bunch of money and mm-hmm. they have a relative in Europe that has a property and they're going to keep it in the family. Yeah. Yes. But often, you know, you've got property could be a foreign location. So you might receive as an inheritance uh, a U.S. condo, mm-hmm. you know, or an Arizona property right. or a property in France, you know, uh, if you do call me. Yeah. <laughs> That's an extra bonus, isn't it? Yeah, no kidding. So what's going to happen with that property? Are you going to sell it? Are you going to uh, keep it? Maybe it's not a good time to sell it right now. It's not a good time in the market or it's a tight market. Uh, so you might have to hang on to it and that's going to be sold later. But what will the tax implications be to that later on as well? So cash management um, continues to be, uh, you know, the concern then becomes if, if you're getting cash, where do you put that? And I think we talked about it. It's just a high interest savings account right away. Mm-hmm. You know, just looking at, putting that into something that gives you flexibility and it's not locked in. And you know, how many people get money and they haven't had a plan for it at all? So if there, if there's an unexpected death, okay, mm-hmm. that's one thing. If you know, a husband or wife and yeah. they passed away unexpectedly, and I agree 100% with Andy, you know, have some time cuz when you're grieving, it's hard to make any yeah. great decisions, yeah. uh, particularly money ones. Mm-hmm. And and there's a perhaps a vulnerability of making bad ones. Yeah. So being yes. on the safe side is is uh, is a great idea. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, if you see there's a potential on uh, Parkinson's, a cancer, or, and it's a long, you know, and you know, you see you people see like Gordon. Gordon Down is a right. perfect example. You know, y- certain amount of time to live. Mm-hmm. There's a great opportunity to plan that out mm-hmm. um, with the person still alive. Mm-hmm. And I know we've done this, and I've done. I've, I've had these tough conversations with people, sitting with the one that was diagnosed, 
and he or she, um, we, we sat down and went through the whole plan, what we're going to do. So that, and unfortunately it was about four or five months later, mm. the event took place, but there was no emotional decision. Yeah. It was yeah. already pre-planned and, and therefore, it, you know, life has gone on, the investments have gone on and, and the plan is intact. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, just like lottery winners, a lot of people look like this as a bonus. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, I got some cash. Woohoo. And they've got trip booked and it's amazing. And I have seen more money with beneficiaries getting money and it has gone just like a lottery winner. Hmm. It, it spent. It's spent. Yeah. yeah. And the kind of that five-year window, like, as like with lottery winners to say, you know, on average yeah. the last five years, yeah. the same occurrence happens with. Oh, Yeah. So cash management, what Don is talking about then, is really about creating a plan for that money so that it doesn't just get frittered away. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with some frittering. <laughs> yeah, <you> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, well, fun's okay. Everything uh, is good. I know. Um, so the first thing you kind of think about is non-deductible debt. So if you have line of credit, mortgage, credit card debt, uh, home equity lines of credit, these are, and they're not, and you're not being able to deduct the interest, so it wasn't for business purposes or investment, let's look at that. What What's going on there? How quickly can we pay that down? Is there enough? How does that accelerate the process? RRSP catch-up. Mm-hmm. Lots of people have room that have, they haven't been able to maximize their RSP. Does that make sense? TFSA catch-up. 52000 is the limit you can put into your TFSA. If you haven't done it yet, boy, what a place. Tax-free zone. Park your money get it invested. Um, maybe there's going to be gifts to children, you know, grandma and grandpa, this is money that we receive from them. We want to help you out. We're going to give you some as well. Education. Mm-hmm. Can we top up an education fund, whether it's for our kids or for our grandchildren mm-hmm. and, or maybe there's a major purchase back to the frittering part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> do we need to replace a car? Uh, are, have we, are we overdue on some renovations, a new roof on the house, or maybe there's something even more, you know, a cottage that might be part right. of the legacy that we create with this money as well. And, uh, and charitable giving. Again, I was, you know, I was thinking back to that situation where I had a, a client whose sister passed away earlier and had received approximately 200000 as an inheritance. Mm-hmm. And um, right away, 40000 of that uh, was decided to put into a charitable foundation created in her sister's name. Mm. And that donation had some tax benefits. But in addition to that, what it did, did was create a legacy where every year that foundation uh, gives back to Alzheimer's society. Right, right. So uh, a legacy is also a, a, a key thing. So that's cash management investment plan. So how much of this money should be invested and for how long, how much is it going to be short term? How much is it going to be long term? And from our perspective, that means creating a new asset allocation strategy. So we'll talk about how that money is going to be invested into cash, stocks, bonds, international investments versus Canadian investments and create a strategy for each goal that you've got. And it might mean um, changing your current strategy too with the influx of this cash as well. Uh, Number three is the tax plan. And the tax plan again is, uh, for example, let's say you've received money that was uh, in an RRSP or it was in a RIF and you were designated as the beneficiary. So you receive the gross amount so if there was a hundred thousand in that RIF, you're the beneficiary, you get a hundred grand. If it turns out that there's not enough money in the estate to pay the taxes that are owing on that hundred thousand, right. guess who 
they're going to come after you as the beneficiary. Mm -hmm. So before you make all your plans to spend it, to pay off debts, to do everything else, you better make sure that you're not going to owe 20, 30 grand of that back in income tax. Pay the tax bill first. Exactly. And then what do you do with your investments? It could be a corporate class investment. It could be a T-series investment to produce uh, tax-free income for yourself. And finally, if it was a piece of property we talked about, whether it's foreign or here in Canada, um, later on, if you're going to sell it, what is the capital gain going to be for that? And um, money between spouses or investments and and assets between spouses, if one spouse dies, roll over tax-free. But if you're receiving it and it was your... uh, surviving parent, your widow, widower, <clears throat> there, there's going to potentially be some capital gains on that property. Where's that money going to come from? Um, risk management. So risk management is about reassessing, and we do this through our financial planning software to understand the what-if scenarios. If you were critically ill, uh, heart attack, stroke, cancer, if you were uh, disabled, in a car accident, um, in, in an accident you couldn't work, disability insurance, um, life insurance if you were to die, and long-term care insurance. We're assessing that for in the future, what might you need in terms of protecting yourself there. So the running through that software for us and the analysis lets us know, do we need more mm-hmm. or do we, many cases we need less? So we had planned for all of this, but now this new money allows you to reduce the amount of coverage you've got and create some savings as well. And then the estate plan, which is uh, basically if you're a survivor, you're going to want to review your own will. And you probably should see a lawyer then to make those changes. You want to reassess your power of attorney. You want to take a look again at your health care directive, which is your living will. Uh, end-of-life decisions, etc. And a key one is reviewing all of your beneficiary designations because with one spouse gone, that means who's going to get the money now. It's going to be important to update all of those beneficiary designations. And we've got one more section to cover, mm-hmm. which is going to be family law. And this is always a bone of contention for anybody who's doing their estate planning. They think, when well, this money goes to my child. Mm-hmm and they were to die or get divorced, does this end up in my son-in-law or daughter-in-law's hands? Mm. And I'm concerned about that. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. We're coming back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc., Take a peek at the website, andyanddon.com. That's all one word, andyanddon.com. You can find old shows there and as well ask a question via the listener inquiry button and leave a message. Call now. They will return it at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. Talking about family law and inheritance. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, and inheritances, and we have actually, I was going to tell listeners that we have a special report that is available if anybody wants to fire us an, an email or let us know. It's called Inheritance, the Silver Lining with a Cloud Inside. Oh, man. <laughs> inheritance, Uh-oh. Silver Lining with a Cloud Inside, a special report. It's hard to think there'd be a cloud within, when, when you're talking about inheritance. I know, yeah, it's true, yeah. but... Uh, a tax well, cloud, perhaps. You, you and I know how many... Oh, how yes. many clouds we've seen when it comes mm-hmm. to here. Um, so most of the time, there isn't yeah. as much money there as people think there is, is there? Um, or is it 
our clients are extremely successful. So we end up having <laughs> large, well large yeah. inheritances. But um, I think where the problems really end up is where people uh, expect are expecting an inheritance mm-hmm. and then there isn't anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, I mean, no, are people disappointed if they get, you know, five grand where they thought they might be getting 50, I guess. But yeah. it, a lot of times it's, as I say, it's, and blended families are really uh, notorious for this yeah. and complicated <laughs> where uh, people get shut right out. And yeah. that's a big problem. Yes. Anyway. And, yeah, so, that was, and again, just to jump on that, it's, it's actually probably the hardest things Andy and I come across is when the beneficiaries don't get what they thought they're going to yeah, get. Yeah. It went somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, blended families is probably the biggest one that needs the most planning. Yeah. Second marriages. Yeah. Um, it's And I know Andy and I both sat down and worked out a plan. Because you want to go to the lawyer with a plan. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't want to just show up and let them figure it out. Yeah. We know the situation probably better than anybody. Yeah. So they can't go to the lawyer. And we've sat in with the meetings with the lawyers mm. to, to help with the will. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you got a fair will. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So family law and an inheritance, uh, and again, as I was mentioning, this is where a lot of our clients will say, I'm concerned that if, if my children receive an inheritance and then they divorce, that you know half of our hard-earned money is going to go to an ex-son-in-law or daughter-in-law. And that's a legitimate concern. Um, it's a common concern. And I think sometimes people feel guilty that they, you know, oh, we don't love your daughter-in-law or son-in-law. And of course, that's not the issue at all. In, in, in reality, they want that money to go to their grandchildren. Yeah. Is that, that's the goal. And if there were no grandchildren, they perhaps want that money to go to their other children. Mm-hmm. And, but in many cases, the, the son, or, uh, son or daughter-in-law are, are included, but, mm-hmm. uh, but it is a major source of concern for right. clients. And um, so there's something in the Family Law Act, and again, we're not lawyers, but we talk about these in general areas, is the dependence relief rule. And dependence relief rule is basically that if I um, had a dependence of mine who I was looking after on a regular basis in terms of their uh, lifestyle, etc., and that I didn't make provisions for in my will, I decided to give everything to somebody else, then uh, as a dependent, they can come back to the estate and request uh, a dependence relief, which would be an allocation of that, that inheritance or that money in my estate to make sure they continue to get looked after. Okay, so that's a dependence relief. The next one is division of. So basically, if you don't like the w- the way the will was structured, you can you've got an avenue to. If you're a this. dependent. If you're a dependent. Yeah, if okay. you were dependent on that person, right. exactly. Um, so kids wouldn't be a dependent after they become adults. That's right. This would be but a spouse, a spouse could be a spouse, spouse could right. be or uh, minor children or somebody perhaps who was inf- mentally um, right. infirmed or mm-hmm. uh, a, capa- a lower okay. capacity. Uh, division of family assets or division of family property, and um, you know you you can't leave your spouse less than what they would be entitled to under a divorce is mm. kind of a rule of thumb, yeah. all right? So wow. th- I know <laughs> you think about the, yeah. the ramifications of that nice. because if you if if you sort of changed your will and decided I'm going to leave everything to the dog yeah. and, uh, and nothing to my spouse, um, you're going to drag everything out in the mm. estate because uh, division of family property, again, you, you have to leave your spouse in a situation basically they, they would be entitled to under a divorce. Sure. Uh, the next family law one is common law. And common law, often common law partners feel that they 
have these same rights, but in fact, they're quite different in Ontario. And so it's important to talk to a lawyer to understand what are your rights as a common law partner mm-hmm. when it comes to inheritance and your, your opportunity to perhaps challenge the estate. Uh, blended families, boy. Um, you know, the, the step family may have a claim against the deceased estate. And so what we're talking about here is if, um, you know, if I, if you receive an inheritance and, um, or sorry, if you, if your, if your spouse dies and leaves the money to a former spouse, the step spouse, uh, and their children can apply for, um, uh, they can make a claim against the deceased wow. estate. Yikes. There's no doubt about it. Mm. That, that would be a fun one, wouldn't it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> see that, see that mu- courtroom? <laughs> how much would be left at the end of that? I know. Um, and the final area is commingling. And commingling is basically... You just made that word up. No, it's a true word. It's a true word. <laughs> commingling, it's a dangerous thing. <laughs> okay. You do not want to commingle your inheritance. Right. And commingling would be... An example of commingling would be you receive an inheritance and you add a joint owner. So perhaps you know, you add your spouse mm-hmm. as a joint owner. And once you've commingled your inheritance, it, it loses its identity. Yeah. And it's, no lo- it's now available to in terms of marriage breakdown. Yeah. And so the other would be if you transferred property into a spouse's name or if you uh, paid off a uh, mortgage of a matrimonial say, home. Even if you paid down your mortgage, that yeah, still counts exactly. as part so of So you have commingled sequel. your inheritance right. and it will now be subject to division under family law. So inheritance is a, is a whole planning process that, um, that we talk to clients about. We talk to our um, clients who are receiving inheritances and preparation and having the knowledge is the key to a successful inheritance. But how do you say to your partner, uh, I know I've inherited money from uh, my parents and we've been really solid for the last 20 years, but I'm not sure what the next oh, 20 years That's entail. a great question. So yes. We'll answer that when we come back. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to keep this in my separate account. Is that okay, honey? <laughs> uh, we'll get the answer coming up moments from now. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. We're coming back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson as well. Andy Lister, Don Fox from Investors Group are here. You can reach them now at 905-529-7165. Just leave a message. They will return your call and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're talking about inheritance and commingling. Uh, is that <laughs> yes. the word? That is the word. That is the word, yes. Good. And uh, I asked the question prior to the break, uh, what happens if you, of course, uh, have been married for, say, 20 years, you lose a parent, you've inherited something, uh, you don't want to put it into the matrimonial home because, as you said, you may lose half of it if something happens. How do you have that discussion with your spouse and say, I'm going to keep this pile of sugar separate? Mm. Well, I think that's a marriage counseling question more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, but should you do that? Uh, you know, it, it all and Especially depends. when the man and wife are standing or sitting there and you're across the table from them and he says, so Don, isn't that a good financial <laughs> plan for me? Yeah. <laughs> and actually, it's funny you say that because Andy and I, I de- you know, we definitely talk about that because we'll, we'll let them know what the rules are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because what it does, and having that third person, have a financial planner as a third person in there, it makes it more legit. Like it's not him against her or right. him, her against him. It's simply these are the rules. And this money was gifted or, or inherited by, let's say it's One the male. One person, yeah. One, the male. And, the, and therefore, the wife would, in this case, say, so his rules, here are the rules. Yeah. Now, 
you know, granted, I know you've had a long marriage, but I just want you to be aware of the rules. Mm -hmm. And it's not there to cause arguments because, you know, money, it's funny. When you don't have any money, it causes a lot of arguments. Yeah. If you have lots of money, it can cause arguments. It's one of the biggest things. I'd like to things. try the latter. To see yeah, it's a lot like. better yeah. argument probably. At least you <laughs> leave with uh, money. But, you know, and commingling in that matrimonial home, paying off that mortgage. Mm -hmm. Okay. But what you can do is say, let's spend the, the income from that inheritance. Mm. Okay, because the income is actually actually both people's money. So you take the money, invest it, then right. split the... That would be my answer. Right. Yeah. And you can use that money to pay down the mortgage. Yeah. You can use that money to go on trips. You call that the fun money and the but marriage saving money. That, but you still got that great big pile you're yeah, sitting on. And I, it's, I've, it's, I've had conversations with lawyers about this exact scenario. And, uh, and often, and so one solution is a trust. Yeah. And so as a parent, if you leave money in trust for your child, it provides a th another layer between you and the rules mm -hmm. in, in the sense that, as Don said, first of all, this is the way it is and these are the rules and why we're present presenting it. It should be in the one person's name. And in addition, oh, or your money was left in trust from your parent and there's rules about how that money is treated. You can't touch the capital. You can only get the income. So there's not even a question mark yeah. about whether you can even dip into it. But most lawyers tell me that, um, that the, oh, we'll just give it to them and we'll trust that they'll do the right thing with it yeah. is, is so fraught with trouble because time and time again, the stories have come back to them that yes, um, you know, the daughter received a hundred thousand and the daughter's spouse, you know, would, you know, nothing maybe in the first year, nothing happened in the second year. Oh, you know, wouldn't it be great if we all went on that Disney cruise? You know, the kids are eight and 10 now. It's the perfect time or to go to Disneyland. Jeez, it'd be really nice if we could do that for them. We just don't have the money. Yeah. And so, oh, but what about that inheritance? That's what if it. we took, it's kind of for the kids, right? It's <laughs> yeah. for the kids. It's for all of us. Chip away at it. Oh, you know, wouldn't it be great? We really need a new car. You know, our car is breaking down. We're spending too much money on it. Uh, geez, boy, could we ever use a real car? What about that money that you got as an inheritance? Why don't we use that and get and buy a car? We can then we don't have any payments. Uh, paying off debts, paying off credit cards. Um, you know, you name it. And in and it's just a it's death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. And eventually, the person you can't you're trying to save your marriage, mm. and the money is coming between you and your marriage. Can you save merit your marriage and money at the same time? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a load of questions. I know. You know, every I think we're back to different. Don's answer, yes. which was marriage counselor <laughs> at the very beginning. <laughs> and and it is interesting when you're dealing with money. It is a, one of those subjects. But I would say long-term marriages. Um, quite often, they'll say, you know what, for tax planning purposes, because it's going to go to our kids. This, is, this marriage has been 30, 40 years. They're already in their 60s. Mm. Quite frankly, in those cases, I'd say they normally would split the assets. Yeah. People are, it's fascinating because I've seen, so in one case, um, somebody received a uh, hundred grand, we'll call it, and uh, they were, seemed more than happy to share it with their spouse. You know, there wasn't any, I, I, okay, well, you know, this is, I've told you the rules and these yeah. are what you're putting yourself into. And because it turns out that she was going to be getting at least half a million. <laughs> so, oh. he, the, you know, so people are, oh. people are motivated by the darkest things sometimes, <laughs> but uh, he, they were, he was looking at it thinking, well, if I play my cards right with this hundred grand, 
maybe I've got access to 500 grand later. Oh, my. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, he <laughs> anted in with the well, 100. Well, it is a long-term game, right? It's a long <laughs> <laughs> So it, it, it's amazing what motivates people, uh, particularly around estates and uh, estate settlements. And, you know, uh, how many times we've had calls from beneficiaries, you know, within day, well, I was going to say hours, but within days of somebody, yeah. of a client dying, yeah. wondering where their money is. Yeah. And I just shake my head and, I, and I'm thinking, well, the, the wheels are moving. Mm-hmm. We're, we're getting this in motion. Um, you know, if they hadn't died, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. Yeah. So what, what's the panic? Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's unnerving, but we know how to handle it. We've heard it before. So. Yes. And, then I, and again, that's happened twice this year mm. that we've had a phone call before the person was you know, buried. Yeah. Wow. And, oh, my. And it's like, okay, what happened if they had lived a yeah, year, yeah. and what is this automatic rush? And it's interesting. Sometimes it's not motivated by them either. Mm. Sometimes it was their spouse or right. boyfriend right. that mm-hmm. motivated. Yeah, this. well, yeah. you should call. If I, yes. Hence, and, hence inheritance, the silver lining with yeah. the cloud inside. There yeah. you go. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, we have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services Inc. You can check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon all one word dot com. As well, you can check out old shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button or call now and leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much,